Hey guys, Josh Kalinowski here. I, I got to tell you, I am so, so thrilled to have the gentleman that we're going to be speaking to on the podcast. Uh, Mr. Robert Hamilton Owens is a gentleman that I uh, uh, had the opportunity to meet because of a friend who knew a friend who knew a friend who knew a friend. And just put that together right there, right? It's the, that proximity principle that Ken Coleman talks about often in his book. Uh, it's not because of any connections that I had with him personally, but because of other people that I've surrounded myself with. Uh, Robert is such an amazing man. He is uh, known affectionately as the fittest and mentally toughest 66-year-old in the world. Now, he's a little bit older than that now, 69 years old, but he made his reputation on that. Uh, he, has been a, uh, he has been a minister, an Ironman athlete, a triathlete, special ops pararescue man. He's also a father of five and, a, and numerous other things. One of the most impressive things is he did 777, which was seven triathlons in seven days on seven different continents. Talk about amazing feet. But here's the thing. This is, the, this is what's going to be an amazing, uh, this is going to be amazing about this, this story and this journey that we're going to take you on here with Robert, is that life was really, really hard. You know, he was, he was adopted as a baby. He was given to Catholic charities and, and left there at their doorsteps and then adopted into a loving family. But then he had a really challenging childhood. He experienced some trauma at eight years old. He experienced um, his first first death at the age of 15 as a lifeguard, and then again at 16. And so you're going to get the first dose of why I am so thrilled to have Robert Owens on our podcast. Uh, Robert, man, I just want to tell you, first of all, thank you so much. The weather looks beautiful where you're at. It's not nearly as nice here, but I know that you're, you're giving us warm thoughts of where, you, where you're at right now. So appreciate you, you know, being I just, on. I just want you to know I took off my parka and snow boots just for you. <laughs> well, we're putting them on, so I, <laughs> I appreciate that for sure. Well, thanks so much. I know you're a busy man, and I know you've got a lot going on. Um, I got to tell you, you know, uh, having listened to some of your podcasts, uh, having read a little bit about, of your book, I, I'm just so excited to be talking with you today um, about not only the, the things that have happened in your life, but how you continue to pursue them. Um, you know, the last podcast I just recently listened to you was with Tom Brady uh, and his organization, Keep Going. And uh, one of the things that you were talking about there is just that mental toughness, the mental toughness that you constantly are putting yourself through. You've done that throughout your life, but how you've recognized that so many people need to be prepared to do that in their life in order to achieve even better things and greater things and just deal even sometimes with their past. I'd love to have you just dive into that about this mental toughness and being able to uh, embrace the pain and stop avoiding it. You know, um, pressure reveals character. And so you don't really know anybody until financial, relational, social, um, spiritual. You just don't know until pressure comes on somebody. I tell young couples, um, you really don't know the person until you've seen them under severe pressure because that's where they morph yeah. and they change. It's like, that's not the person I want to marry, but that's the person that, that comes out during pressure. And so all of us have to deal with pressure uh, all of our lives. Every decade brings new 
levels of pressure. And either you deal with it and learn to cope with it or it overwhelms you at times because it's so overwhelming. And so, uh, you know, for me, um, I didn't handle pressure well in my teens. Mm -hmm. uh, and it wasn't until I got into the military where they demanded that you learn to handle pressure um, severely and uh, maturely, mm -hmm. uh, taking emotionally immature men and investing millions of dollars in them. And they tell you, you cannot be emotionally immature men in the places and the predicaments that we're going to put you in because you need to become solid men under pressure that can make good decisions for yourself as well as for your team or the people that you're rescuing. So you need to grow up real quick and stop acting like a punk and a kid and an immature little boy and get your act together. And for us, you know, that was that was quite the challenge. And again, then they put you in. And again, for the listener, um, I was what is called Air Force Pararescue. And at the time, that was the Navy SEAL side of the Air Force. Um, and it's our job to rescue the Navy SEALs, the Rangers, the Marines when they get shot and hurt. Mm -hmm. And so the pressure of being a combat paramedic that jumps out of a plane with your guns and your knives and your IVs and your, your needles and you get in and you're the guy they count on. You know, they, they put their life in your hands that if a PJ or a rescue guy is coming, yeah. then you're going to be, you're making, you're going to be safe. Yeah. And that put a lot of pressure on 19, 20, 21 year olds to get their act together and to deal with pressure. Yeah. And sometimes I did well, and sometimes I didn't do well. Sorry if you hear a jet. That's a jet from Orange County Airport flying <laughs> just about right now over the ocean. For those of you who like to be over the ocean, it's a nice beach day here in Southern Cal, Orange yeah. County. Anyway, I remember I had a guy in a body bag, and I, uh, oh, this other, I, I, I got a guy, and I got him on the helicopter, and I put him on a gurney, and it was a, it was a broken back with a bunch of stuff. And I remember I, I rode, uh, we put the, the guy in the gurney, got him to the ambulance. I got the ambulance. I went to the hospital. I got in the ER room. I handed my IV bag and everything off to the, to the nurse in ER. And the docs are all squirreling around. And I remember that I, I said, all good. And they went, good. And I went, golden, you know. And then mm -hmm. I walked out of the room, walked down the hall, and I just passed out. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I just yeah. fell over. Boom. And I guess I didn't handle the pressure real well, or I handled it, yeah. but it finally came up and bit me. And so um, life has pressures. And for the, the guys that are listening, the ladies that are listening, um, how you learn to handle pressure. And fortunately, there are techniques today that we train our Navy SEAL candidates or our Air Force Special Warfare candidates. There's ways to handle pressure where in the old days, you just sucked it up and toughed it out and hope for the best. Mm -hmm. So, uh, my life has been an evolution of going from a, a punk, irresponsible kid getting a master's degree, as I've said in all these podcasts, mm -hmm. in irresponsibility, mm -hmm. to some sergeant saying, hey, Owens, get your act together. If we're going to keep you here, you need to grow up real quick. And I just, you know, big eyed, okay. And then, you know, two years of training later, you come out a completely different creature yeah. and you learn to handle pressure. And, um, my life has been a series of the 20s, the 30s, the 40s, you know, getting married, having five kids, broken arms, 
broken collarbones, broken legs, uh, car wrecks, um, kids in jail. <laughs> you yeah. know, you just it's it's just pressure. Oh no, what about this one? What are you going to do now? Yeah, I remember my 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 youngest daughter was doing gymnastics, and she was doing backflips into the in that big pit with all the foam balls. Uh-huh. <laughs> so all the parents just sit there, you know, loving on their little kids, just looking at them and clapping and stuff. And my daughter does this back spray and she goes back. She missed the, the pit by a little bit oh. and her arm hit the side of the wall and it broke her wrist off in half. Oh. So she lifts her arm up and the arm goes like this and then it just is dangling. And she just looks at me and she holds up her, you know, broken arm with this wrist. And I go, no problem. <laughs> Stand right there. <laughs> and all, all the parents are going, ah, yeah, right. Hey, all good. Look at me. We got this, you know, yeah. and you go out there and you grab that thing and she's turning blue, white with all the people are screaming. So she gets scared. Of course. <laughs> and then you, you get that thing and all the parents go, why didn't you freak? And I go, cause you don't freak. <laughs> you don't, you can't do that to your kid. You can't help them with more pressure and more fear. You have to be, you gotta be there for them. Yeah. Anyway, you know, through your twenties, your thirties, your forties, your fifties, your sixties, there are different kind of pressures that come. And if you don't deal with them, they'll deal with you. If you don't deal with your issues, they'll deal with you. And so this thing about learning to have mental toughness, it's not like you want to be some stud. You're just, you know, just come on, just beat me up. I'm going to figure this thing out. It's not that. It's that you, that you learn that mental resiliency and mental toughness comes from practicing your training of what to do and how to do it. And I appreciate that now um, I have learned techniques as well to get a hold of panic and flight and anxiety and all those kind of things where you can learn how to go, nope, I'm not going to let that um, get in my head. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to do my four, we call them the big four. We do the big four techniques and we just reboot our brain, push out the negative and then stay in the game. So that's a long winded thing to your intro, but um it takes practice and everyone can do it. Everyone can learn it, but most people don't want to face the pain yeah. of learning. Yeah. One of the things that you talk about, I think the, at the very beginning of that is just even the breathing that seemed to be more the, the first and foremost part, important part of it is just the ability to breathe and control your breathing. You want to just dive yeah. into that just a little bit to give people an idea of this is just something you can implement right away uh, into your life when you do get into those very high pressure situations that maybe you're just not used to. And this will work. I mean, I had a lady, I was doing a seminar in San Jose, uh, there must've been, you know, a hundred people in the room. And I went to the HR person and I said, how many people are on meds? And she said, ah, oh, in that room, there's probably 15 or 16, you know? So I, I said, okay. And so I went in the room and they were talking to me and asking questions. And I said, how many in here are on meds? If you don't mind telling me. Yeah. And these people, you know, like that, they stuck their hand up. I said, great. I mean, understand most of you panic and anxiety. What's your medication? Blah, blah, blah. And I said, Anybody want to work with me on this? So this lady raised her hand and I said, uh, what's your deal? And she goes, I've been taking uh, anxiety medication for about 15 years. I wake up about midnight every night in a panic attack. My, my husband hates it. And I said, so how about if you work with me tonight? And I teach you some things right here and you all listen mm-hmm. and you can all write these down and you can all go practice them in your own way. But let's see if we can have a good moment with her. And, uh, so the first thing is breathing and deep nasal breathing mm-hmm. is different than 
mouth breathing. It's a different level of oxygen, a different quality of oxygen, number one. Number two, deep nasal breathing focuses your mind because it's not natural. Mm -hmm. Most of us are mouth breathers. Um, Animals pant, right? And they can't control their panting. It's when they're finally done that they finally close their mouth and the tongue goes back in and they're normal. But they can't control it. But we're animals of a different sort. We're called mammals. And we're supposed to be able as humans to control our breathing. So when we go into deep nasal breathing, like it expands everything. Mm-hmm. When you expand that, it's not natural because you want to breathe through your nose. And when you do that, what happens is you can't focus on two things at the same time. You can only focus on one thing in your brain. There's a ticker tape running across your brain. And it's either full of positive things or negative things or thoughts. And so when you begin to go, what we say in the deep nasal breathing or even box breathing, box breathing is you inhale for four. And then you hold for four. And then you exhale for four. You hold for four. Hmm. Inhale for five. And you can do boxes, you can do rectangles, Hmm. you can do whatever is the challenge for you. But the point is, when you're focusing on that, you can't think anything else in your brain except for that, because it's hard. Mm -hmm. And so when we have negative dialogue running through our brain we train our guys the first thing you do to get control of that mind that anxiety that panic is to go into deep breathing Mm -hmm. and when you do the deep breathing it triggers your brain that you're telling yourself you want to do something other than what you're experiencing or what you're feeling so it's a trigger it's a trigger point you don't do it ever unless you're trying to get mind control Mm -hmm. so if a, if a Navy SEAL is coming down on a rope under a helicopter into a firefight and he lands on the ground and there's bullets flying everywhere and his heart jacks up, his heart begins to race, yeah. he begins to sweat, and he can't think right because of the anxiety that's coming on him, all of his training goes out the window. Right. All the millions of dollars of hours of training goes out the window because his mind is out of control. So we teach them to get down on the ground, even if the bullets are flying, Get to that position and then take control of your breathing, which will bring your heart rate down. And when you bring your heart rate down, it'll bring your anxiety down. Mm-hmm. And then you do your breathing, which clears your mind of all the, the panic of, oh, my God, they're shooting at me. And you do that. And then you begin to think the thoughts that you've been trained to think and get back into your game. So in our big four, those you get through that is first we teach guys to breathe. And we teach guys to breathe all day long, meaning when you get up in the morning, you roll out of bed and you put your feet on the ground. This is sort of anal for some of you business people or housewives who's listening. But we teach a guy to put their hands on their knees in the dark. Don't wake up your spouse like that. And then go. And what you're doing right then is you're telling your brain, I'm not going to think the thoughts that want to come into my head right this time, this moment, because I'm tired, or I don't feel like getting out of bed, or I don't like that alarm clock sounding still, Mm -hmm. or whatever it is, and you, and you're saying, I'm not going to let that stuff flutter through my head, whatever wants to come immediately into my morning, I'm going to take control, 
and do my thoughts. And my thoughts are the thoughts that I'm going to say to myself. And so we speak out loud to ourselves, number two. It's called positive self-talk. Mm-hmm. And that is, I don't care how I feel, it's going to be a great day. I don't care what I have to do, it's going to be a good day. And we say easy day, fun day, good day, look good, feel good, just like Hollywood. And we just we have a mantra mm-hmm. that we say to remind ourselves this day is going to have challenges. This day is going to have issues. This day is going to stop, whatever it is. But we're taking control of our mind, and our mind's going to think what we want it to think versus what the pressure of the day or the pressure of being tired or not getting everything solved the day before. Here it is coming back on you today, comes back on you. Mm-hmm. So number one is get your breathing to clean out your mind. Stop it. Reboot your mind. Two, say the positive things, which rewires your brain your neuroplasticity, meaning that your brain can learn new things and it can be, it can begin to be rewired to sit, to go a certain way. So if we rewire our brain with the positive, we can learn that under pressure, we'll come up with the positive thought versus the negative thought. Most people's brains are wired with the negative. Yep. Oh my God, it's the alarm clock, not the opportunity clock. You know, don't get your hopes up. Yeah. It uh, hasn't ever worked before. Uh, that guy's never going to call me back. All that stuff. So we take control. We speak. It's a great day. It's my day. It's be the best day. And we then wire ourselves that the moment that we begin to nasal breathe, we're telling ourselves we're going to now reboot our mind with positivity. And we do that. And then we, we begin to, whatever it takes you for your mantra, if you're if you're a spiritual person, you may do spiritual things. If you're a non-spiritual person, you may be just a positive guy and you do positive things. But the point is that every morning you take control so that when you wake out of bed after 15, 20 days of practicing, the first thing that'll come in your brain will be the positive things, not the negative things, no matter what your day has in store for you. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Absolutely, buddy. I you've said I I love how you said I'm and actually I've heard you say this. This is going to be epic. I can do this. I was meant to be here. And I, I was always stuck with me since I heard you say that that one time. So I think the self, the self-talk, the positive talk is is so important. So I really appreciate when you I, talking about that. When I ran, when I ran the seven marathons in seven days on seven continents, uh-huh. um, I carried three by five cards in my pocket and the three by five cards had my positive self thoughts just in case I forgot them. Wow. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, cause it was sleep in deprivation, frozen, wasn't it? This be well, if it's 20 below zero and you yeah. can't move your jaw and it's really yes. hard. If you just stop, you'll freeze to death. So you just gotta, gotta keep running. Yeah. You know, Antarctica. I had these things, and, and one of the ones that was on a three by five curve was this moment is not too big for you. Mm. This moment is not too big for you. I uh, love that. And so I would then many times say to myself during training, I mean, I'm feeling like hell and I just go, this is stupid. And all that negative stuff's trying to get in my head. And I just would say, this moment's not too big for you. Yeah. This moment's not too big for you. Breathe. Yeah. Think. Get control of your brain. Don't lose it, dude. You've trained for two years. You've got this thing. Yeah. Just, just take control of your mind. And so first one is breathing. Second one is positive self-talk. Third is we break it into moments. Yeah. And so how do you eat the elephant one bite at a time? Right. Then you take that thing. I don't know if I can make it to lunch, but I can make it right now. Yeah. And so whether it's paying your bills or your kid's sick or you got a disabled kid. I talked to a guy uh, yesterday. He's got an autistic child. 
we work through this. How is it working? Because most autistic couples end up in divorce. Mm-hmm. The pressure is so difficult. Yeah. And so you you work on okay. I'm going to breathe to get control. I'm not going to say what I want to say. I'm going to I'm going to I'm not going to say what I don't want to say. I'm going to say what I want to say. Yeah. When to do the positive self talk. Thirdly, I'm going to break up the moments. I could do the next five minutes or the next ten minutes or I could do the next morning or whatever it will be. And then lastly, visualization. Yeah. And then we visualize ourselves winning. We visualize for the business person that someone calling us out of the clear blue or running into somebody at the restaurant who just have to say, oh, I need somebody to sell my house. You know, you just happen to be here and blah, blah, blah. And we wire ourselves with the positive expectations that everywhere we go, something good is going to happen to us, even in the bad thing. Mm-hmm. And so our kids then at 18, 19 years old have to start doing this when they wake up. Yeah. And then we say, if you need to do it, take five minutes at 10 o'clock in the morning, reboot your brain, do it again, and then do it again at lunch, and then do it again before you go to bed. The point being is that some people want to take control of their whole day, mm-hmm. not just moments. And the guys in our Unbeatable Mind program, the goal is, is that we would nasal breathe all day long, which will then tell us all day long. Don't lose control, dude. Yeah. Stay in the moment. Don't yeah. don't honk the horn at road rage. Don't respond to your wife or your husband if they are a jerk. You know, try to go there. If your kids does something wrong, just gonna you know. And you just learn all day long, as we would say, take every thought captive. Yeah. And instead of having a monkey mind where all these monkeys are jumping around in a cage, you you stop the monkey mind, and then you say, I want to think my thoughts not the thoughts that are in my brain because the thoughts that are in my brain may not be my thoughts. They may have come from a TV show. They may have come from news. They may have come from my next door neighbor. They may have come from my boss. Those thoughts that come and live in our heads, they're ours, but they've come and they've lived in our heads. And many people live their whole life without their thoughts. Mm -hmm. They live their whole life with somebody else's thoughts. You know, my dad told me I'd never be good. I was worthless. And those thoughts live in your head, they plant them into a big bush. How long have you been like this? Ah, oh, you know, my dad's been dead for 30 years, but he told me when he was alive. Yeah, you know, right. Well, he's been dead. Why don't you let go? Well, that's what he said. Well, yeah. no, let go of that dead man's thoughts and live a life. And they go, I don't know if I could do that. I mean, this is who I've always been. No, that's, yeah, that's just who you've always been. It's because you don't have your, you don't have your brain working. You have other people living in your head, stealing your life from you. Mm-hmm. So, we then take people and say, all day long, as you progress, you have to think about your thinking. And most people don't think about their thinking. They just think. Mm-hmm. And whatever happens to think is what they think. Right. And it's like, how do I feel today? You know? Yeah. Well, we tell our, tell our kids, we don't give a rip how you feel. You're going to do your job whether you feel like it or not. Yeah. That's, what we're, that's what you signed up for. You're going to rescue that guy. You're going to do this. You're going to do that whether you have a broken leg or whatever issue is, you're going to do your job and you're going to get it done. And if you can work with employees and employers to help people work through stress, that every sales job or every realtor job, management job is about people and people are sweet and people bum you out. People are good. Some people just let you down. If you're always wired about people freaking you out, then you might be out of control. And you could lose three days out of the week. Just to people doing stupid things, not following up, not doing what they say they're going to do, 
you know, bad mouth you to somebody else. Okay, stuff's going to happen. And we, we tell people in life, you had problems. You're having problems now. And guess what? You're going to have problems down the road. So if you become problem-centered, it's going to be a long life. Mm -hmm. So we don't have problems. Mm -hmm. Problems are negative. Mm -hmm. We've banished that word. We have challenges and we have opportunities because mm -hmm. challenges and opportunities are positive and problems are negative. So we try to cut all negativity out of our mind, neuroplasticity, rewire your brain that no matter what's going on, you can find the silver lining in it and it'll work out for you. And even if you don't see it, you believe for it. Yeah. And then people respond differently. Like, so when I had my heart attack, I came home from 777. And I went to my last Ironman. I went, I've right. done 12 Ironman stuff over the years. And then I went for my 13th. Yeah. And for my 13th, I just had a bad day. <laughs> I, I was riding into this headwind. You know, we had three loops. And I had three 20-mile sections of headwind. You know, you make the loop. Oh, here's that headwind again. Loop, make, here's that headwind. And I was just cooked. I just, like, man, this, this headwind is knocking the dog out of me. Yeah. Anyway, when I got in the marathon... I got going again, blah, blah, blah. And then I ran out of time. So I went home and said, well, that sucked. I've never not finished an Ironman. Like, I'm a loser. <laughs> like, <laughs> what What the hell just happened to me? My third that negative Ironman talk right there, Robert. Is that negative talk right there, buddy? Negative talk, <laughs> negative talk. And so it, it sort of rocked my little uh, ego world. You know, I'm, I'm not used to not finishing. Yeah. Anyway, I come home and I have a heart attack. And, and the doc says to me, uh, I'm, I don't go there, but, but, but I'm laying in bed and I feel, I feel this, this kettlebell sitting on my chest, you know, mm -hmm. and I go, well, that's a trip. What what this is. And then I feel my left arm go dead way up inside. I go, oh, boy. Hey, you know, that's like having a heart attack. Yeah. <laughs> I'm laying in bed going, I'll be doggone. I'm having a heart attack. <laughs> so, so I wake up my wife and I go, Hey honey, what? Yeah, I guess what? Well, I'm having a heart attack. What? I said, yeah, I'm having a heart attack. Wow, you got a lot of She has a nursing, nursing background. I go, hey, wait, 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 wait. Back off, back off. Don't freak out. I don't need you to freak out. Yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to breathe. It's going to be a great day. It's going to be a good day. Yeah. <laughs> Just yeah. right into it. This could be a fun day. Yeah. I mean, yeah. this is going to be an experience. This would be another adventure. She's freaking. I said, just go get on the phone. Get away from me. You go on mm -hmm. the phone, call the hospital, call the insurance, make sure I'm in network. And while you do that, I'm going to get ready for this heart attack. And she just thought I was nuts. So I go take a shower and I shave. You know, and I, <laughs> I'm getting all ready for it. It's a, it's a nice day to have a heart attack. Yeah. I mean, what the hell? All, you can do that. Or you can just go, oh, my God, I'm dying. Right. Well, that's not going to help you. Yep. So get control of your brain. Go to the hospital, you know, and walk in. What's wrong with you? Hey, I'm having a heart attack. No, you're not. You're looking really good. I know, but I'm having a heart attack. Yeah. Give me a wheelchair. I'm supposed to be sitting down. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> the point is, is that I, I didn't want to cave into the emotions and freak like every other person who goes, oh, my God, because life was full of, oh, my God's. And you can either work your brain and train your brain that it's going to work out, or you can be just out of control, which affects all these other people. Mm -hmm. 
And so that's something that we want our kids, these immature 18 to 30 year olds to say, Hey, listen, we're going to spend millions of dollars on you and you can't freak out. Right. And if you do, we can't keep you here. We have to get rid of you. Yeah. Because people are banking their lives that you are going to be not a normal person. You're going to be a Navy SEAL. Yeah. And you love pressure and thrive in pressure. Or you're going to be PJ or, or Army Ranger or Air Force or uh, Air Force Combat Control or Marine Recon Raider. You know, whatever the special ops community is, you have to go inside and learn how to be in control. Otherwise, Al-Qaeda or ISIS or the Taliban, yeah. if they smell on you that you're losing it, they'll come on you even harder. Yeah. And you show no weakness. So you, it's just one of those things. And this interview is actually an hour and 20 minutes, so we broke it up into two, uh, to two episodes. This man has an amazing journey. And his book, Beyond Average, goes into the depths of exactly what it takes to, to live a life of excellence, even through the challenges that were faced. 